0: Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs.
1: Well, it's all right, Riding around in the breeze. well, it's all right, if you live the life you please, well,
0: it's all Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Great to be here, as always. It's uh, episode number 451. That's awesome. Um, happy to be here Um And we've got a great show today. Uh, I pulled one from our deep, deep archives. And I just want to thank Eric, uh, the uh, director of operations and booth engineer. He's the reason why this show sounds so good. The audio quality is so great. Um, And he really uh, helped me pull this together kind of last minute because it is a timely topic. It is a guest who um, was the victim of uh, sexual assault in the military, and uh, there's a lot going on right now, a lot of conversation happening around that. And you might ask, what does that have to do with dogs? Well, in this interview, um, the woman's name is Trina, and she uh, talks about her experience and her trauma and also... The difference that a um, service dog has made for her in her ability to get back out in the world um, with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, as a result of her trauma uh, from military sexual assault. Um, and so I wanted to just um, kind of fill in some, this was back, this was originally, I think this was Originally, um, the interview was in 2010, and um, so, there you know, it's seven years. So I uh, just wanted to say some things around this. Um, first of all, though, I did want to just send a shout-out to St. John Creamery. Uh, their raw goat milk is awesome, and I can't tell enough people about the benefits of giving your dog raw goat milk. Um, it's an easy way to boost the nutritional value of your pet's food. You can just pour it onto kibble if you're feeding kibble. Um, if you're cooking your dog's food or feeding raw food, it's also a great, um, a great thing to add as well. It's loaded with probiotics and enzymes. The dogs love the taste of it, and it's so good for their digestive health. And we know that immune function, uh, they say 70% of the immune system is in the digestive tract. So a healthy gut Means a strong immune system. So, raw goat milk. If you live in Western Washington, I recommend St. John Creamery. They're local. But wherever you're listening from, um, anywhere in the country, there are definitely national brands. There are brands um, that you can get in the freezer section of your local independent pet store, like St. John Creamery is in the freezer section of a lot of stores around this area. Um, and you, if you can't find it frozen raw, you can even get a powdered version. Um, but we definitely, you know, the more local and fresh, the better St. John Creamery. Love it. And so do our dogs. So, um, just a couple things. So, you know, with this, uh, a lot, there's a whole lot of conversation going on right now about sexual harassment and sexual, sexual assault and, um, so I thought this was a timely episode to play, and I also haven't played it in, it's like, seven years. So it's a really, um, really great interview otherwise. Um, just a couple of things about service dogs for mental health disabilities is that, and this is, I mean, this is the case with service dogs in general. The, what you hear is a lot of stories like my guest, um, my show today, Trina. Um really positive, um, powerful stories of the difference that a service dog can make for an individual with a disability. Um, There is a shadow side to this industry. And I want to bring voice to that because it's not, um, you don't see it in media. You see uh, these, you know, oh, it's all feel good stories when it comes to service dogs. But there's a lot of applications of service dogs that bring up animal welfare concerns, really serious animal welfare concerns, because the dogs don't get to, you know, uh, browse online for a job that they want to do and find service dogs as an option and apply for it themselves. It's up to us to select a dog who's appropriate for that job, a a dog who, if they could, would, would sign up themselves for it like oh that sounds like something that I'm really up for because it's a lot of work it's a lot of pressure it is uh stressful the dog uh you know people say I I want my dog to be a service dog I'm just going to get him a vest which a lot of people do unfortunately and I don't recommend that and but it's like is this I mean gosh with all the dogs that I work with um who have who are really reactive to their environment um, things that we might not know even things that we might take for granted like a, a bus or a truck or or just the, the the noise or or people in general I mean there's a lot of dogs that aren't necessarily comfortable around all of that and a service dog has public access rights as a service dog if it's appropri- appropriately applied Um, But that might not be a dog that wants that. You know, I see a lot of, quote unquote, service dogs out in the world in stores or whatever. And the dogs are way stressed out. I can see it. And, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of people who have great intentions, but they're sort of oblivious to that. And then there's the media, which focuses on all the feel good stories. So. You know, as, we, as I'm playing an episode about a, a, a good, successful story about a service dog with an individual specifically with post-traumatic stress disorder, and you've probably heard there's organizations way more now than there were even seven years ago when this episode aired originally, um, service dogs for veterans, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, stuff like that, is that you really, you know, the person, first of all, has to be Equipped to care for an animal. They can't be so uh, debilitated that they can't care for another being. Um, And then also the training of it. So in this case, Trina's dog was trained by an organization. Trina didn't self train. And that's another um, issue in service dogs in general is that people will go and adopt a dog and say, This is going to be my service dog, but they don't know the dog. And so if they invest, you know, A year's worth of training, a year and a half, two years worth of training, because it takes a long time to get a dog, um, even with the right temperament, to really be equipped to be a service dog out in the world. And then what happens if they're a year into training and it just becomes clear that this dog isn't a good fit because they just kind of picked him out at the shelter? Is that individual likely going to be able to say, "Okay, I've invested all of this time, energy? emotional energy and money into training this dog to be my service dog and we've been doing it for a year and um you know what this isn't the right fit for this dog and then they're just going to start over there's a lot of people who aren't going to be able to make that judgment call because they're so emotionally attached to the dog itself understandably and to the intention of getting the dog um So there's just a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to it. It's, you know, and people sort of don't, I've, I've had experience working very closely in the service dog industry. My wife was a leader in the industry specifically for psychological and neurological disorders uh, for several years. And, uh, you know, really got to see that shadow side and, and, and the animal welfare issues that do come up and the concerns for the dog's, and, um, you know, it's tough. And I, I just sort of every time I hear, a, uh, you know, media teaser or something, a story coming up about a service dog. We did a show years back um, where I had Gene uh, Hample and um, Darcy, my wife, on the show um, at the time. They were both running the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound, which is still going. Gene um, is the founder of that and former president And Darcy was the vice president and then president um, for that club. So we did a show years ago because there was a um, piece on the Today Show of a service dog for a child. um, And the dog, there were just some like a lot of concerns. And we heard a lot of people in the industry, professionals like trainers and stuff like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like that's not safe. I think the dog was holding like oxygen tanks or something like that, which are really like you have to. Like they shouldn't be jostled around. And then there's other applications too, like uh, tethering, for example. This is common in service dogs for autistic children. Like, oh, it'll keep my dog from, uh, it'll keep my child from um, running away if I just tether the child to the dog. Well, but what kind of a life is that for the dog? I mean, the dog is just tethered to an autis- autistic child. I mean, any child is. Not able to regulate themselves. Any child shouldn't be responsible for an animal. It's great to teach kids about responsibility for animals, but they're not the ones who are paying for the food, taking the dog to the vet when they need it, all that kind of stuff. So I think we really need to look at... So the the legal definition of a service dog is a, a dog trained specifically to perform a task or tasks that directly mi- mitigate the symptom of a disability. So this this debilitation has to rise to the level of a disability. Um, so the dog performs a task that directly mi- mitigates a symptom of a disability. So, well, there, you know, people can come up with all sorts of tasks. I mean, I've heard one of a uh, service dog for was it for eating disorder or something like that like leading the person to the fridge it's like that's not the problem <laughs> you know if it was that simple like hey here's the fridge you know oh thanks for showing me the fridge I'm going to eat something now like that is not how anorexia gets treated is a much deeper emotional issue and so there's some like task ideas that are just like really and then it's also like well what about what about asking the dog to be responsible for too much as a dog? So, it, for example, um, interrupting a a fit of rage, um, you know, and this is something that can be common in veterans with uh, PTSD, uh, combat veterans. They might hear hear something or or something that triggers them, and then it it how that uh manifests as an anger, severe anger and the, so the task is for the dog to interrupt that that is way too much responsibility to put on a dog um so you know it's like oh service dogs it's oh that's so amazing immediately oh what amazing it's so feel good story blah 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 well i'm here to tell you there is a big shadow side to this industry we need to start talking about it and we need to be aware of it because dogs can't speak for themselves we have to advocate for them. So we have to be sensitive to, is this the right dog for the job? And is the job that we're asking the dog to do even appropriate in the first place? And there's a lot of situations where it's not. And there's plenty of situations where the stories are amazing. And that is what you're gonna hear today is Trina McDonald, who's a um, a Navy veteran, peacetime Gulf War Navy veteran, who's the victim of sexual military sexual assault. And her service dog, Susie, has made a huge impact in Trina's life. And Trina has gone about it in a very mindful and responsible way. And this is a success story. Um, So enjoy this episode. And um, there's a lot of other episodes archived online on iTunes. You can download for free. And so enjoy listening to Trina and, and her courage in sharing her story. Trina, you tell us a little bit first about yourself and your experience in the military. Well, I guess we can start out um,
1: by saying, you know, I'm originally from Kentucky. Um, I don't want to be too, too cliche and say I'm a coal miner's daughter, but I am. <laughs> you know, sad. <laughs> um, but basically, I, I left Kentucky when I was 18 and joined the U.S. Navy. And hopes of going to college and I had given up a college scholarship to go play basketball and to do this instead and you know get to see the world and went into the Navy went to Florida went through boot camp in school and things were really great fun and then I went to um, NSGA ADAC which is an isolated duty station and in, in the Aleutian Islands and things changed drastically for mm. me there mm-hmm. um, so basically the experience goes from you know being a young country girl to going into the Navy and going to Adak, Alaska and during the time I was there with I got there on Valentine's Day of 1988 and within a few months I was drugged and sexually assaulted and that was I was there for I was supposed to be there for 18 months but I stayed there for nine months and during that time frame was repeatedly drugged and sexually assaulted until I blew out my knee um... which i think was kind of a godsend in a lot of ways and got sent back to the lower forty eight to california and finished out my duty at um... PSD oakland mm-hmm. so, yeah. and so you suffer from ptsd i suffer from severe ptsd and there's a whole bunch of other acronyms that i have disabilities oh. with mm-hmm. but that's my certainly the post-traumatic stress disorder and um, depression severe anxiety panic attacks and which are a direct result of my trauma
0: in the military. Mm -hmm. And it was military sexual trauma. Correct. And I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people don't even know about this, but a lot Mm -hmm. of people think veteran with PTSD, they think of combat, war-related trauma. Um, Is military sexual trauma something that's fairly common? it's rampant actually it's you know
1: it, there's at least 40 percent of either men or women in the military that have been sexually assaulted mm. and either by other men by other women um but it's it's just um, it's an epidemic right now and there's a lot more actually in the media that's coming out about it um that wow is an organization that really works a lot with people who have military sexual trauma and th- she's actually here in the northwest and susan mm. Avilla smith who does tons um with people mm-hmm. who who've had military sexual trauma, did you
0: say forty percent? Forty percent? Wow, and that's men and women, men and women. Yeah, wow. so after you you came back to the lower forty eight states after your knee injury, what was life like for you after your experience in the military?
1: Um after I had got out, I, you know I finished up my career in um, down in Oakland and really got into a lot of actually alcohol use at that time and isolation. You know, I really didn't have a lot of friends and then I came up to Washington. I had a friend that was stationed at McCord and I had come up to visit and thought, okay, you know, I can, I can stay here. And really, you know, for years it was a lot of substance abuse, um, homelessness. Uh, I never had a stable house, never had a stable job. Um, Lots of suicidal thoughts, attempts, um, and, you know, really had no idea that there was such a thing as post-traumatic stress disorder or, you know, depression. You know, you you grow up in a lot of ways where people just say if you have a hard time, you just kind of get over it. And for me, that wasn't a case because I had such horrible nightmares
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and, you know, that I couldn't, I just isolated myself constantly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and alcohol and drugs became a huge part of it.
0: And what sort of support, I mean, there's, don't you get support from the VA and, like, programs for people when they <sighs> come out of service?
1: Heavy sigh. Um, well, the thing is, is what happens is they you see a lot of new commercials today about, you know, the, the, the veterans that are coming back, the service members that are coming back, and, you know, come apply for your benefits. And the keyword word is apply. Just because they're there, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to receive benefits that how they perceive it. And that's how I didn't, I didn't even know. And, you know, it's not something when I was getting out that, you know, my, you know, when I was being debriefed that they said, you know, hey, go to your nearest VA hospital and get service. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually avoided at all costs. I mean, I had the opportunity to, like, because I said I injured my knee when I was in the service. And I actually had senior chiefs and, and you know, military members then that veered me completely away from it because I was going to go to San Diego and get raided then. But instead, I got honorably discharged without a rating on my knee. And I had to fight for it five years later.
0: Mm. So you get discharged from the military because of your knee injury. Right. And um, this was in about 1990? 1990. Okay. And then you got in, uh, into drug and alcohol abuse. Oh, Yeah and th- and so and you said you had you know you experienced homelessness you were didn't have a place to live for part of that and and then in 1995 you became sober in 95 i got sober for the very first time
1: and mm-hmm. i was sober for a couple of years and you know and started seeing counseling or seeking counseling i actually had a a partner at the time who pretty much laid a phone book out in front of me and said you need to do something mm-hmm. you know because i was just a mess and mm-hmm. And, you know, I had no idea about anniversary dates in regards to trauma. I mm. had no idea about any of those things. But, you know, I was going through for about six to eight months out of the year where I was just horribly depressed. Or, you know, I struggled more with nightmares or, you know, not being really, not not going out into the world and living in something that, you know, this life of mine. Mm-hmm. And so.
0: so once you, after you became sober, what have been some of your symptoms with PTSD. I mean, what is that Hmm. like for you uh, just in about a minute of time? A minute of time. Let me wrap this up really quick. My life in a minute.
1: (laughs) Um, Basically, it was, you know, when I got sober, you know, everything broke. I broke. Mm -hmm. Um, And when that happened, when there wasn't alcohol involved in the picture, all of those symptoms and emotions and things that I had really pushed way down Mm -hmm. came to the surface and when they came to the surface it was a really ugly mess Mm -hmm. and what I started to do was spiral into pushing every single person that had any inkling of caring about me away from me Mm -hmm. because I couldn't trust anyone enough couldn't trust myself enough for someone to be close to me because when people were close to me like the people that were I had served in the military with when they were close to me they hurt me Mm -hmm. and I I didn't want to have that experience with anyone else
0: yeah so we were talking about your past and your experience <laughs> in the military and your trauma. And so now let's talk about Susie. Uh, well, actually, Trina, we have a caller on the line who would like to, uh, sounds like, would like to compliment you. So oh. let's bring Susan on the line. Hi, Susan. Hi. Thanks for calling in. You have something to say to Trina? Yes. Uh, Trina, I am I am so an admiration of your courage mm. and how brave you are and and to be able to come and talk about the experience and be so truthful and honest with us and yourself. Mm. And I know it's going to help so many people, veterans, non-veterans, to really start to understand the complications of post-traumatic stress disorder. But I basically just wanted to call to just congratulate you and
1: Thank you, Susan. I, I
0: really have no words. I have no words. Thanks. Thanks Julie, for, it's a great show. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for calling in. You're welcome. If anyone else would like to call in, <laughs> you're welcome to 425-373-5527 or toll-free 888-298-5569. So at what point, Trina, did you learn about a, a fairly new Thing, which is a service dog for somebody with a mental disability.
1: You know, actually, when I started seeking health care at the VA, especially in, in 98, I actually ended up in the psychiatric ward because I had just, things had really just fallen apart for me. And um, I had a few pets at the time. I had a dog and a, and two cats, and, and I had just received so much benefit from them. And so I talked to my counselors at the VA a hospital here in seattle about it and so they basically had written me a letter because they were just therapy animals at the time and um so i started doing some research then and, and at the time it was just like i you know i'm just trying to hang on to myself mm-hmm. and later on just in the past few years i had kind of revisited it and then and last year i took a medical leave from from work um you know Prior to this, I was actually, I've been a counselor for the past six years for substance abuse, ironically. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, my PTSD symptoms had really just gone out the door. Mm -hmm. And I um, checked everywhere from, you know, Florida all the way over here to the, you know, the West Coast. And I couldn't get any services really. A lot of it was I didn't meet the criteria because I wasn't a combat veteran. I was a Gulf War veteran, you know, I was, you know, kind of the forgotten war. And is
0: this, you mean you couldn't find services within the VA?
1: I couldn't find find services within the VA, and that's a whole other story, really. I mean, I, but I, even with organizations that I checked on Mm. about getting services to get a service dog for my mental health stuff, every single person, you know, either I didn't get a call back or I didn't you know, meet their criteria because I have all my limbs or, you know, they really just weren't addressing, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder as as being this severe disability that affected people's lives, you know, if you had it for any other reason other than combat. And they're still battling with trying to get services for people who have combat PTSD Mm -hmm. and service dogs.
0: And the thing, too, that is that people who don't maybe know a lot about PTSD is that it's debilitating. I mean, this is, you know... Not not just a, a hard for you, but actually debilitating to many people where they won't leave their house.
1: That is my story. Um, I wouldn't leave the house. I, I have I still to this day, I struggle with feeding myself. I struggle with um, bathing, you know, the hygiene aspect of it um, going out into public. I was able to go from point A to point B, and that was in a pure panic You know, because I considered if I could just get into life and work and then I was going to be okay. you know, if I could just go to school and get an education, I was going to be okay. And all of those instances, I put up this front that everything was fine and then I would go home and I wouldn't leave, Mm -hmm. you know, or I would have to take enough medication to go to sleep. If I could sleep most of the time with my brain, the way that it works, it would just force itself through the medication It, I would be up for days or couldn't sleep at night or I would have horrible nightmares or flashbacks when I first got sober, I didn't leave the house for three months because mm. I had flashbacks. Well, you know, and it's so, I mean, it's not something that you go, oh, they just have some problems. Right. I, mean, I mean, it's get over it. And, and you know, every era of, you know, veteran you meet, they we all cope with things different. And it's a great, you know, um, tribute to, you know, just the changing times and how, the, you know, people are kind of, you know, put into wartime situations. And, mm-hmm. you know, and... And and just what people don't realize, there's a war going on inside the military against the people that you're with. And and that's not to say that every, you know, man in the military is horrible because they're not. You know, is every woman horrible? No, they're not. And what it does mean is there's this this entity that's going, that's happening inside the, the armed services where people are getting injured by their own people and they're getting sexually assaulted and it's being covered up.
0: Mm. So... So then you found Healing Allies. And then I found Healing Allies. Um which happened to be local. It was that, yeah, that, that worked <laughs> out well
1: for me. Yeah. Um actually I had, you know, like I said, I'd called everywhere and I called Darcy and I'd left a voicemail and I think I actually may have emailed her too because I think I was in a panic at that point. And um she called me back and we spoke for gosh, probably a good hour, hour and a half and it was the first time in this in the beginning of this whole process that I was like, "Oh God, somebody heard me, and they understand what i 'm talking about mm-hmm. and you know, and with that happening, um, you know we started talking about what my needs were, and I told her about my doctor was in absolute support of it and um, i you know i'm in the process of getting my bachelor 's degree and um, I had um, a caseworker at the the veterans administration and um, through their voc rehab and, you know, so it was like, yeah, let's start this process and we're on board. And so I started the process of applying for a service dog. And um, what ended up happening was they had, you know, went through months of getting letters from the doctor and, you know, meeting with Darcy and setting her up as a, as a vendor. And then that was all, you know, yay, you're approved, you know, via the vr and at the VA and then said, no, you're not. And, and, but Darcy didn't give up on me and I didn't give up on her. And we, you know, she just continued to work with me and we just weren't gonna quit because she saw the importance of what I wanted to do because I wanted to be a part of life. And as scared as that is, scary as that is for me, it was like I've, I've, it's, I'm willing to take the chance to be out there because, you know, living inside your home, and feeling like you're a productive member of society isn't like that exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah, and so we had um I'm trying not to look at Susie, you know, as she sleeps diligently on <laughs> the floor. Um but she um you know, found Susie and started evaluating her and you know, I would come up and I would meet with Darcy and it was just like, okay, I this is what a great person and that is understanding of what's happening with me and my mental health stuff and was going to just, I think, in for the long haul because there was so many ups and downs with the funding process and which still hasn't happened. So did a couple of fundraisers over the from the beginning and um, actually my mother-in-law took out a, a loan and, you know, really was on board as trying to help see me be better. Mm-hmm. And so.
0: So yeah. you applied for funding <laughs> for a service dog correct and the va first said that they that you were approved and all was great and mm-hmm. then just pulled the rug out at the last minute yeah but was it because it was a mental health service dog or a service dog in general or how what's well there was two
1: different there was two different uh reasons uh the first time that when they initially denied me Um, They gave me a cut-and-paste version of the emails that had transpired inside their department and then, you know, said that it was basically after doing a congressional inquiry came back saying that the reason that they denied me was because there wasn't enough support, supporting evidence stating that service dogs benefited people with Mm. mental health, you know.
0: Using science as the Uh, excuse, huh? (laughs) Well, we have Sharon on line one who would like to talk to Trina. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Trina.
1: Yes. I just wanted to tell you thank you (laughs) for speaking so eloquently. Um, You're telling my story, too. I'm from another era, same story,
0: Mm.
1: and you're telling the truth very well. Oh,
0: that's good. I (laughs) just
1: want to give you all the uh, power and help that I
0: can
1: Mm. Um, You're speaking for those of us who can't speak yet. So Ah. blessings to you.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. I'll do what I can. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So um, again, if anyone else would like to call in, you're welcome to. The number is 425-373-5527 or toll-free in Western Washington, 888-298-5569. So... So they said there wasn't enough evidence, scientific evidence, mm-hmm. the, to support that a service dog would help mitigate symptoms for somebody with a mental impairment. That's correct. Okay. So. So you, but you didn't stop, and <laughs> no. neither did Darcy, and um, and you held some fundraisers on your own, right, to help raise money for the service dog, right. and um, and now you. How long have you and Susie? Since October, October 1st. Great. And now can't, so I've heard a lot of people in in talking about service dogs just say, um, can't you just go to a shelter? And we'll actually, I'll ask this question, we'll go to a break, Mm -hmm. and then we'll come back and pick this up where we left off. But can't you just go to a shelter and get a dog to help you and train it yourself? Well, well, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll answer that question when we come back from break. <laughs> You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Oh. Oh.
1: Desire, despair, desire, so this is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Northwest School of Animal Massage, we cover the world of animals. This week, October 22nd, longtime friend of Animal World, Anne gordon de Barragon joins me. Anne's story from local movie Animal Trainer to International Whale and Dolphin Communicator channel and member of the Umbera tribe of Panama is pretty amazing. Join us
0: to hear her story and all the details of what she's doing now. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Looking for an easy way to give your dog's food a boost in nutrition? Or maybe your dog has a sensitive digestive tract, itchy skin, or is just a picky eater. We've had such great success feeding St. John Creamery raw goat's milk to our pack, and I recommend it to my clients all the time. You can get raw goat's milk for your dog all over the country, but if you live in Western Washington, be sure it's St. John Creamery you reach for in the freezer section of your local independent pet supply store. You can also pick up your milk at drop locations around the area. Visit stjohncreamery.com to learn more. That's stjohncreamery.com. Your dogs will love you for it. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities, you name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me, host, at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host, at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. (laughs) On the path to good health and well-being? Alternative Talk 1150 is the station for you. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Back to The Dog Show. I'm your host, Julie Forbes, and we are back with Trina McDonald and her mental health service dog, Susie, who is sleeping quietly on the floor right now. She's <laughs> working hard. Trina is a peacetime Gulf War Navy veteran, and we're talking about her experience with post-traumatic stress disorder as a result of military sexual trauma. And uh, we were just talking about um, how you found somebody to provide you with a mental health service dog who happened to be local, which Mm -hmm. was great because there aren't many at all in the country. No. Um, And so I had asked a question right before break about, um, you know, a pretty common question that people ask or suggest like, can't you just go to a shelter and get a dog to help Mm -hmm. you and train it yourself? (laughs) So what are your thoughts about that? My thoughts about that, um, I would say if
1: you're capable yay for you. (laughs) Uh, For me, I, I, in my particular situation, and I I certainly don't speak for everyone who has post-traumatic stress. I I think for a lot of us, though, it's, you have, I had such horrible anxiety and couldn't leave the house. And the idea of, you know, getting a dog that I don't know any history on, and I'm going to go do some public access training, which I had no idea about or doing you know a canine good citizen or just exposing myself to the world with a dog that you know i really have no idea you know and i can barely bring my own self out into the world i can't even for me Mm -hmm. i can't imagine doing that Mm -hmm. um you know and you know my biggest gift is with darcy who you know you know susie lived in the home and you know had this ongoing you know 24 7 exposure to the world that was something that I was not gonna be able to provide to her at all. Mm-hmm. Not it it wasn't even a thought in my brain. Yeah. Um and um so I mean it's I look at her today and I mean I you know, it's not that I'm out running around and I'm doing all these millions of things, but I can leave my house today. And I can go somewhere by myself and not be escorted by someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because, you know, when we did the very first fundraiser, uh that was one of the things I think that I it had hit me so hard because I can't be in large crowds and because of my anxiety and it just I that feeling and I Susie you know came to the fundraiser and you know which was a new experience for her it was very loud so we both were sitting outside and you know and and you know I walked around the block for the first time by myself in decades and didn't feel like someone was going to hurt me Mm. and that I I can't put a weight on what that's done for me you know um when you know she's there's things that Susie does that I I you know I don't know how she does it she's just a great she's a great animal you know and she's beautiful and she looks at me sometimes and it's like okay you know or if I'm having my moments certainly something she's not trained to do if I'm having a lot of anxiety or something she'll she'll be just leaned up against me and and trying to snap me out of it and and I think that's great I can't imagine how you train an animal to be Innately wonderful, but yeah, you know, I, I don't know how that works, but I know in the situation with her, you know, and and Darcy, she just had spent so much time creating, you know, and and helping this animal become, you know, really kind of fold into her or her potential to be such a great dog, mm-hmm. and because I don't think that she she had I think had been to a shelter twice actually, yeah, <laughs> and she's amazing. I just kind of you know you kind of want to go back and visit those people and go hey. I don't know, you know, do you even realize what you had and but i I can't imagine I, I've seen a lot of conversation about professional training as opposed to owner training, and i for me, I can't imagine doing this by myself
0: well, and it would it, makes, it would make sense, especially since the the stress and anxiety comes, especially when you are out in public, <laughs> and so if you're training a dog in public access. In training a dog to perform certain tasks for you, um, and also be, you know, be a stable presence for you. And so, if you yourself are are having a hard time, you know, even managing yourself, how could somebody? And then the other thing too would be that that would, you know, potentially, you know, the dogs would pick up on that and potentially make them nervous. Oh, or, sure. Yeah. yeah I, I can't. I. I don't know how. I For me, I,
1: I, like I said, I just can't. That's just for me. Yeah. And, I mean, I've talked to a lot of different people, and, you know, a lot of people really kind of follow that line of, you know, if I'm struggling with my day-to-day and trying to go out and just be in the world or go to work or go to school, you know, and just try to stay focused in that and keep my anxiety at a low and, you know, try not to get triggered or you know, being aware of my surroundings because it were, I, for me, you know, and that's a part of the symptomology for the PTSD is I'm so hypervigilant, you know, that the littlest thing could create even more anxiety for me or if someone comes up behind me or, you know, any of those kinds of things. I can't imagine trying to take care of an animal and, mm-hmm. and then being out and trying to, to do the same thing and take care of myself. And, you know, and that's, I think for me, it's been one of the most wonderful benefits of having you know, Susie, you know, this professionally trained service dog who helps me is I can kind of just focus on a lot of my, what's going on with me and my, my mental state. And, you know, and Susie can, I know she's there. She's right there. And, and that's a sense of safety for me that no one's going to come up behind me, Mm -hmm. you know, because I can see her, I can see what she's looking at. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's an amazing, Mm -hmm. you know, thing is that companionship and not companionship is not the word I want to use the you know we're a team
0: yeah you know
1: and I I get to see what she's doing and she gets to see what I'm doing and and you know and I I just think that she what she's able to do is great and I you know hey I I drove up here today from Puyallup so we're doing good Yeah, <laughs> so
0: life's good well and you're going to school and right. you've marched in the Veterans Day parade oh, which is yeah. huge and big you deal. and Susie yeah, you, yeah Susie and I mm-hmm. did the
1: the Auburn's Veterans Day parade and which was a big deal I've actually never done a veterans parade before but again it was um, in speaking out and standing up for people who don't have the same voice that I you know seem to be blessed with right now mm-hmm. to to speak out against military sexual trauma. And, you know, for every step I took that day, I took a step for another veteran that doesn't have the voice to stand up right now. Mm. And, you know, it's certainly, I'm not sitting here going, oh, this is so easy, and look at my voice. It's it's that I'm just, I'm tired of being a secret, and Susie helps me not be a secret, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, and this whole process is, is, you know, she was great and has really just, she keeps me present in the world and that's that's been a battle mm-hmm. you know and so I you know we we did that and you know and with at school she's she's becoming her own spokesperson and doesn't even realize it because you know there's a lot of things that people aren't aware about mental health disabilities and you know because it's it's just people they have there's a lot of assumptions and stereotypes when people think about disabilities and service dogs and and you know so there was the whole thing at my school where there actually was an email sent out about, you know, the proper etiquette in with a service dog because a lot of people don't understand that, you know You're not blind. I'm not blind. Right. I actually've had that was asked to me at, at a coffee house one day. So you're not blind. <laughs> Good observation. Yeah. You, know? you know, or you look fine. Right. Um you know, I've heard a, a lot of different a lot of different things and I'm learning about lots of different hierarchies. You know, just being a person that's starting to accept and be in the world with a disability. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing when I can keep it all to myself. And, you know, it's kind of like a silent tornado. I'm keeping it all to myself, but I'm affecting everything around me. And, you know, and today, you know, having Susie, even because she's this cute little dog. Well, she's not little, but, you know, this, this animal. And so people pay attention to her, which puts me in a position to be able to help educate other people about PTSD mm-hmm. or, you know, invisible disabilities or, you know, uh, many other, you know, types of, mm-hmm. of tags that are put to it. But I get to talk to people about what it's like to navigate in the world. If they don't know certain etiquette, then I can help educate them about that mm-hmm. and not take offense because they don't know. If they don't know, then I have an opportunity right to, to educate.
0: I was going to ask you, how receptive is in your experience as the general public, to Susie, to you having a service dog, you know, going wherever you go?
1: You know, if I, I haven't had tons of, of situations, problems, um, um, other than I get a lot of, oh, so are you training her? <laughs> well, no, but <laughs> yeah. I suppose it looks that way, you know, and uh, um I've had some situations, like I said, where I've gone into a coffee shop, and which the the key word is I just went into a coffee shop. I think that's awesome for me, right? You know, little accomplishments (laughs) in the world, and um, you know, or you're not blind. Or, but I've gone to the went to the mall. Another moment where I just kind of just sat down and cried about it because it was like I can't believe I'm in the mall, and I had a security guard kind of scoping me out, you know, kind of seeing why I was in there with a dog, and then he saw the service dog on her vest and was like, and then happily just kind of walked away, but. Have lots of if you get interesting looks mm-hmm. and you know and again like I said I just look at it as an opportunity to to talk to people and educate and you know I've had the opportunity it's actually invited you know I've met one of the the, the guys that's a part of bringing back war dogs and mm. you know what a exemplary you know I have just how much animals and that human bond you know, or helping veterans, you know, and, and, you know, and creating this, this relationship that helps people maneuver in the world, regardless if it's a veteran or if it's, you know, someone who just, you know, has another type of, you know, traumatic experience that's affected their life, you know, but I, I just am a big benefit, a big, I really just think it's important that people have guidance and, and training and, um, with how to, to navigate mm-hmm. you know with a service dog
0: yeah and I think that's we've been talking today because you are a veteran about a mental health service dog for veterans <laughs> but that they are not just for veterans it's right. anybody with a sure mental impairment or disability so you have some great ideas for the future Trina I do uh, around funding for other veterans and um, also continuing to do what you are doing speaking Right and uh, sharing your story. So, tell us about your ideas. Ah, my ideas. Um,
1: what this whole process kind of really brought up for me was that because there was such limited funding, and in my situation, no funding for mental health service dogs, and um, so not just your situation. No, it's for there actually yeah, is no funding. Uh, yeah, there's no funding for mental health service dogs. There has never been point. no um, a
0: fund a, a dog funded as a there's mental health service dog
1: one. One. There was one, and it was a part of um, through the VR&E actually, at the the Veterans Administration. v r e is actually the the Voc Rehab and Education. And there was one person, and there's lots of media about um, about them. And I'm I'm not gonna. You can look up psychiatric service dogs. I think is what it was coined under at that mm-hmm. time. And um, but it was a, a a combat vet, and also someone who had been. Uh, you know, military sexual trauma, and and has done you know quite well. But she came in under a um, independent living program, which is no longer exist. Mm. And so they were able to fund. I think at that point in time, I don't think I need a, It was just it was less than ten thousand dollars and less mm. than five thousand dollars. Or actually, I think it was around six thousand. Mm. And you know, and which to me is crazy, but you know, it's. I don't want to get into the financial aspect. Well, what it's do not important, you have? But what I what I want to do is, based on that, that there is no funding and that there are lots of you know loopholes about what can happen with service dog and what can't. Um, so what I decided to do was because I'm in the process of trying to get you know my disability stuff increased through the VA and because my PTSD had gotten worse and um, just other other parts with me physically and was to take part of that money um, that I get back whenever they award me disability and create a a scholarship fund um, for other veterans who end up who are in my situation who aren't able to get funding so that in some way, shape, or form, I can help another veteran get a service dog to help them with their PTSD. Um, And, you know, I'm speaking out a lot about military sexual trauma, you know, and... And just the effects of PTSD and the benefits that I'm getting from having a mental health service dog and being able to navigate in the world and be a part of a world that a society really that I you know started this whole process to just be a part of you know Mm. and and so you know working on creating some type of an organization that is strictly for fundraising I don't I don't want the the financial gain of it that's not why I'm even a part of it, I I I did it because it's obviously it's just in the in the it's not even it's being born, mm-hmm. um, but I yeah I just want to help other veterans
0: yeah so for to raise funds um, I'm mm-hmm. sure you know corporate sponsorships and stuff like that I mean there's so many ways to raise money for something like this especially that it it it's, it's I know for me personally it's so moving your story uh, so inspiring Mm. what you're doing now and I've seen because Darcy is my partner and Mm. I lived with Susie and (laughs) witnessed the whole training process myself and the whole matching of the two of you and that the whole thing was just and I think you said that when you met Susie it felt more like or are you, somebody said, or maybe I said it, <laughs> that it seems more like a reunion mm-hmm. when you meet. And I've witnessed this in in other people as well. It's like, the and it's, it's the dogs. It's like in watching the dogs. The dogs are like, yep, that's the person that mm-hmm. is supposed to find me.
1: I was thinking about it actually earlier today. And, you know, how do you put that into words? And for me, it's like when Susie and I initially met it It was you know, I felt like she'd finally found home, I'd found home, and you know it really it was it just like it would had always it was just gonna be, and that's how and that's how really how it's played itself out, yeah, you know, and
0: so well, we've like I said at the beginning of the show, we're videotaping the show, and I wanna make sure that we get Susie in, so I'm just <laughs> gonna grab the camera from,
1: oh. We can wake her up and This makes fantastic radio. Isn't this, fun. Great. So, this is Susie awesome. Susie
0: right there. Hi Sue, wave to the camera. <laughs> so um I don't know where to put this back. There we go. I'm gonna give Susie a little uh FaceTime. A little FaceTime it's important. Yep. Well, it's been um such a uh, honor for me to be a part of this whole thing because like I said I've witnessed most of the uh, activities through in watching Darcy work with Susie. And right. Susie came to the show actually to learn how to ride on elevators and all that stuff because Darcy's <laughs> our call screener. And um, and in meeting you and hearing you're really taking this whole thing in, in a really powerful way to uh, contribute to others and it's just, I've been just so impressed by you, and it's just been so wonderful to, to know you and um, <laughs> to have you here today to share your story. So courageous, and uh, um, you're giving a voice to people who have not yet found their own. Mm. So, And I just want to say today that I support anybody in finding their voice, in sharing their story, especially around trauma, whatever that may be. Um, And big thanks again to Trina McDonald. You can download all of our shows for free on iTunes and find them on our website, dogradioshow.com. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud.